Welcome to Reframe and Reset Your Career, a podcast to help if you're looking for a job, feeling stuck in your career, or just trying to rediscover your why. I am your host, Harsha Boralesa, and this podcast came from my passion for neuroscience and psychology and their interaction with career and personal development. I will be interviewing recognized experts and successful professionals and asking them to share the insights and strategies that have helped their careers thrive. Implementing change is not easy and does take time, but I do hope that their stories will inspire you on your path to greater success and fulfillment in your career. Here are some highlights of today's episode. We don't have to be best buddies, but the more I understand you as a person, no matter what your background is, no matter what culture, what country, whatever, that's going to help us and our company and our team be successful. The leader is not going to have all the answers. They can't do. I have to try and understand what my skills are. Really, this is all about skills. We do have to be much more self-aware and self-directed in this new era of work because, you know, careers are not linear anymore. Thank you so much for joining me today on episode 46 of the Reframe and Reset Your Career podcast. I'm delighted to welcome Sophie Wade. Hi, Sophie. Thanks for joining me today. It's a delight to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Brilliant. Before we begin, I wanted to thank all the followers of the podcast and YouTube channel for their amazing support. The podcast has now been downloaded in 89 countries, and I had my first downloads in Cambodia, Cameroon, Chile, and Costa Rica. I'm not sure why it's all the seas, but anyway, it could be the World Cup. Please feel free to connect on LinkedIn and do subscribe, like, and share if you enjoy the content. Now back to the show. Sophie is a work futurist, international keynote speaker, and author. She is a host of the widely popular Transforming Work podcast, and 450,000 learners have taken her four LinkedIn courses, which cover future of work skills, empathy, and Gen Z. She is the founder and workforce innovation specialist at Flexile Network, a future of work consultancy. Sophie has held senior management, strategy and finance roles around the world in Asia, Europe and the US, working in media, technology and venture capital for companies such as IMG and Yahoo. With a strategy and finance focus for her first career, she assisted entrepreneurs and major corporations identify, develop, and execute strategic initiatives, build teams, and ventures and create partnerships. Her new book, Empathy Works, is a great read and looks at succeeding in the new era of work. Sophie has a BA from Oxford University and an MBA from the International Business School, INSEAD. Welcome, Sophie. Thank you. Wow. <laughs> you read the whole thing. <laughs> well, well, the thing is, I always like to show that my guests do have credibility. And it's not just people I've met down at the pub. So because I think it's, as you know, Sophie, as a podcast host, uh, our obligation is to serve our audience. And clearly, if we're not serving them and getting top class guests like yourself, <laughs> then we're just not doing uh, what we should be doing. So I agree. Um, so but we, have, we, it would have been fun to meet in the pub too. <laughs> yes, no, no, exactly, exactly. So I'm a big fan of the arts. Is there a performer, song, book or film which you'd like to share? I believe you're a big fan of The Princess Bride. I love that film. Oh, Princess Bride. It's, I mean, I can, I've, I have watched it so many times. And it's one of those movies which I then showed my kids um, who are uh, 22 and 15, and they loved it too. I tried Monty Python a little bit too early with my daughter. And, you know, some of the jokes are very 
complicated and have historical backgrounds and the rest of it. So I've got to bring those one in later on. But um, yeah, the Princess Bride, you know, my name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father, prepare to die. You know, ultimate quote. Yeah. Fantastic. (laughs) So going back to the start, you studied Chinese at Oxford. Was there a particular strategy behind this? I also saw that you were on the ice hockey and lacrosse team. And I found that a (laughs) number of guests have unexpected sporting and other talents outside their work. So, well, I did science A-levels. I actually did maths, physics, chemistry, and art. The art was to keep me sane. But when I got to sort of actually go applying to university, I I suddenly found that I didn't want to do any more science. And as you know, in England, you know, you don't, you can either do, there was either, you know, I could do maths, physics, chemistry, or law, or industrial design. And at the time, this is what the crazy, how things have changed. I thought, oh, that would be too much fun. I can't do that. Which of course, I do not agree that that's how, you know, it may, be, it may have been relevant at the time, but that's not how people you know, should be thinking now. So my father, my mother actually studied uh, Russian. My father has studied Arabic um, at university. And so it's kind of like, okay, Chinese, why not? And in fact, one of my distant, more sort of more distant cousins had, um, was an assistant professor of Chinese at Geneva University. And so uh, that seemed really interesting. And I thought, well, if I don't like it, then I can change and do something else and still do a three-year course and be four years because languages are four years. And as it was, you know, I did the history, um, history, politics, culture, literature, poetry, and the language. That's fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. So, yeah. So, I mean, that, that was quite sort of prescient in a way because, you know, obviously China's blown up and did, did that help you sort of in your career? Do you think, you know? Well, that- I then, I then did decide after, after finishing university and as well as part of my course, I was sent to Taiwan as part of that, which was very interesting. You didn't go to the mainland, you went to, to um, Taiwan. And so you could actually live, it was it, foreigners at the time were kept very much and sort of segregated off in Beijing. So we went to Taiwan and, and, and really lived in, you know, lived with each, each student had to live with the family. So that was really interesting to, to live very much integrated in, into the life as much as possible. Um, fascinating. So I did then after Oxford go and live in Hong Kong and was working in Hong Kong for, for a, on and off for five years. And Asia, I mean, the living, living outside your country, I think is an extremely powerful and important experience to, to also look back, be able to look back at your country and kind of go, oh, that's how everybody else sees it. And um, it really, in terms of a sort of, you know, leaping to, to empathy, but it really helped me try and assimilate and try and understand other people in their country and understand their perspectives. And it was, you know, when I was in Taiwan, I think, when I really sort of said, well, okay, the some of these fundamental ways that people live their lives, you know, if you go, if you go around Europe, it's sort of different but similar. Whereas Asia in so many ways is very, very, very different to people, how they think about reincarnation um, and, you know, spitting on the street or the evil spit God, you have to get it out of your throat. <laughs> and some of those things were so different. I was like, oh, what I know is only what I know. It's not how it is. And that really sort of reset everything for me in terms of how I looked at the world. It was very, very impactful for my life. No, I, I just love that because I think that that whole idea of understanding a different culture, because it's all well and good being in your own country where you're the mm. majority. But I think really when you're abroad, then you realize what it's like to be in that other person's shoes. And I yeah. think this whole idea of empathy and this point, I think you were making in your book, which we'll come on to later about, say, Gen Z, 
about the way they ask questions or they don't ask questions. They yeah. Google, uh, which if you don't realize that, then you think, oh, what's going on? Are they, right. are they working and everything's fine? But maybe we can pick up uh, on that yeah. point later, which I think would, yeah. would be great. And then obviously after university, you worked in the, the media sector. Uh, so what drew you to that? Was it just the fun, glamorous lifestyle? Right after Oxford, I went to Hong Kong and then I did go to, to and then actually uh, I, I, a great friend of mine had gone to INSEAD. So, um, and so I went to INSEAD, which is in France. And then I went back, back to Hong Kong again to work for the same, my, the same boss, um, who actually was in a different company then. Uh, but, and that really, I guess, put me, put me further on the path to be living in different places. And I love learning. So I love being outside my own, my own sort of home environment so that every single street that I look down, like sort of side street, I'm always learning something. Every interaction in the store is like, oh, you know, that's interesting. That's different. What are they selling here? And how are they, you know, how, how are you sort of interacting, responding differently? Um, so that was a sort of key to, to, to launch me down that path. Sorry, I've forgotten part of your question, which was... So what drew you to the... Oh, the media. Sector. So, yeah. well, my dad was in the BBC for 25 oh, cool. years. Okay. My mother had actually started the BBC um, and then actually recommended that, it sort of, you know, suggested my father that he, he join. He was head of Radio 4 um, at one point, and he actually, prior to that, was the editor of Tomorrow's World. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah. So, um, so that was sort of like, so media was something I was very familiar with. Um, and then when it actually turned out, I went to have a sort of finance job, it, it was supposed to be in China, then end up being Hong Kong. And then we, the, I was working on the, at the very, very beginning of the launch of Star TV. And so that happened to be a big project. There was another project which didn't go ahead. And then this project happened, which happened to be media. So it all went sort of full circle. Um, and I was kind of like, well, there you go. <laughs> you know. So it wasn't that wasn't intentional. But then I was working at the intersection of um, sort of media and technology, and that became digital media. So it was at the time satellite delivered TV. And then the, I was working a huge project in the, for the same people um, on satellite delivered telecoms. And then I went to wait for work for cable and wireless um, around Europe. Um, and so that was how I got really got into the sort of the dig digital media um, and, at, you know, was watching along that as that evolved. And it was I was working sort of along that spectrum. Um, or, yeah, along the sort of continuum of media and digital media, um, which all made sense to me. Although people kind of like, you've worked in this area and that area and that area, you know, it doesn't make sense. I'm like, no, 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 this, this is, this is how it's organized in my brain. And they were like, ah, okay, now I get it. <laughs> and I just love that point you make that, you know, you weren't sort of intentional to begin with, but I think there are a lot of people like that. They're not really sure what to do with their careers sure. and, and their lives, but they, I think the key thing is just start something, uh, you know, mm -hmm. do it. You uh, put all your effort in, but then actually, when you're in that space, you can firstly see is it is this for me? But also, if right. it's not for you, you can look around and see, okay, what are the other things that are interesting things going on in my career, and then try and add these different elements to it. Um, so I think I, I just love the way that your career evolved in the sense that you saw these other elements to what your 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 job, and then you moved off in those different uh, uh, routes. Well, yes, exactly. And I think had I stayed in the UK, that I 
might not have done it. I probably would have, uh, I, I tend to sort of buck things and, and try and do things differently, very deliberately, because I, I found England quite restrictive in the sense that it's very classist and you're in your class and you're sort of boxed in a bit and you have to do and speak and, you know, whatever in this particular way, which I didn't like. And if you, of course, if you live somewhere else, you can just be who you want to be and, you know, you could sort of, you're a foreigner and the more you assimilate, the better, you know, you're, you're integrated. Um, but it did mean that as a result, I was sort of shaken out of what I had to do or what was expected of me. And therefore I could say, well, you know, I do like this. I do like that. And it did seem to me that I enjoyed how content of any kind information, you know, could be movies, could be, it tended not to be, you know, content, you know, long form content and be shorter form content. But that interaction, like how people consume and get and uh, and how the content is created and delivered, that was very interesting to me. And obviously, as technology was changing. So I did, yes, look to what was sort of interesting and, you know, the early sense of what are my transferable skills. Um, those who are sort of developing have always been um, sort of strategy and strategic development Um in terms of developing new things, and then I I spent a lot of time building business uh, building business plans and, and financial models to really sort of look and understand what you know what could be done and how would we sell that and how it'd be done. So as a result of that, which was fascinating for me, I would go around and talk to all the different people in the different departments of a, of a startup or you know, talk to distribution and technology and ask lots of stupid questions and learn an incredible amount about how businesses operated. So that was really beneficial in terms of somebody trying to work out what they want to do in their career, talking the different people in different departments and disciplines to see now that you can move much more easily between different disciplines and take those transferable skills, which are, you know, problem solving or, or, you know, critical analysis and those type of things and trying to work out, you know, is marketing for me, is strategic development for me, is sales for me, you know, and, and experimenting this because I think having that more rounded, um, uh, those sort of more experiences, great, uh, more wider experiences is, is both interesting and very helpful later on as you, as you then start to hone in on what you really want to do. And I, and I love that point you make about understanding more about marketing and distribution, because I, I also worked in finance. And yeah, when I was you know, working in finance, I thought, look, quite frankly, I'm not really bothered about you know, marketing and distribution in terms of the bigger picture. Mm. But yeah, it, it is so important in terms of, you know, say yes. as a content creator, brand building, trying to figure out who your audience is. Yeah, actually delivering what they want and and the content in, in they want and that the way they consume it. So, you know, which platform to use? Do you use LinkedIn? Do you use YouTube? How do you cut up your um, repurpose your videos, repurpose right. your podcasts? And it's 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 quite a different way of looking at things. I mean, what do you think, Sophie? It, yeah, it really is. So, one thing I did do very deliberately. I remember was so after business school, I went back to Hong Kong and I had a I was working on and building and running this huge financial model for the satellite delivered telecoms network. And I mean, it was huge. It was fascinating. And I, and I really understood all aspects of the business. It was multi multinational as well. So trying to understand the, the different ways that, you know, the models for each country were very different. So that was absolutely fascinating. But I realized at a certain point, I, I need to be closer to, I need to be on the front end 
One, because then you start interacting with customers or strategic partners and you have a, a, a different view and value in the business. Um, and also when you start interacting with customers or are having to really understand and serve customers, it, it sets you up to be able to have you know, the big picture, the full picture for, your, for yourself going forward. Because so much of what we're doing now, whether we're um, whether it's having quote just an entrepreneurial mindset in a larger corporation or being um, a solopreneur or being you know having a part-time job or doing a high, side hustle on the side having this this more comprehensive of sort of 360 understanding of how a business works so that you can be setting up some kind of little business or exploring it or having it as a side hustle and then moving into that that comprehensive, um, you know, being able to look at all the different elements, including how you're going to launch something, not just develop it or, you know, produce this, you know, new crazy thing that you've, you've come up with, but how you're actually going to connect it with people and sell it to people and how you're going to message them. All of that is is helpful to know or understand. You don't have to be doing it, you know, finding out what you're good at and what you're really horrible at and, and you know, you know, always avoid because um, I hate, hate, hate sales. I, I mustn't say that. I mustn't say that. But what I do is I do a lot of stuff. Like my podcast is to put myself out there so that I don't have to do cold calling. So, it, you know, there are, there are lots of things you can do to hire somebody or do something slightly differently so that you can mitigate or, you know, you don't have to fill in your week, fill in your weaknesses without you having to do it and struggle. <laughs> I, I, I just love all those points because I think I'm quite similar to you in the sense that I hate selling, you know, like promoting myself, but I do find <laughs> right. that actually doing a podcast and, and, and creating content, it's a way of getting out there, building exactly. your brand, but also doing it in a nice way because it's not about you saying how wonderful you are. It's about the guests you get. Uh, Bingo. And hopefully yeah. you have that conversation uh, and then develop that relationship with you and the audience. Um, but yeah, I, but I'm surprised. I, I would have thought you were quite a, a good salesperson because you come across very well. Um, <laughs> well maybe you're doing it subconsciously very well. So. Well, th thank you. That's very sweet. Um, on one-on-one, -on -one, I'm, I'm, you know, love it. I, 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 I'm passionate about what I do, and I'm, you know, fascinated by. I love people, and I love dealing with that. It is cold calling. It oh, is, yeah, it's, it's those type of things. And I don't, I don't like promoting myself, and I don't. I feel like I'm, um, what do you call it? Like intruding, or, or, or <laughs> you know, I, I get. I can be very British in that sense of, oh. um, and I, I'm sort of, if I know found out that there's a word called an ambivert. So when I'm with people I know, I'm very extroverted, but, you know, put them in a cocktail party, don't know anybody. I'm kind of like just watching people and if I'll, I'll glob onto one person if they talk to me. I'm like, oh, God, I'm stuck with you. <laughs> but, but yeah, so I, if I can, and, but if I'm talking about my, you know, the subject, if I'm talking about empathy and I'm talking about the future of work, yeah, I can endlessly. Endlessly. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, I, th I think I'm, I'm very, I, I'm an outgoing um, introvert as well. So I think you and I probably would meet each other at cocktail party. Yes. I would be, each other. I would be golden. <laughs> and talk Princess Bride. <laughs> there we go. Be a great evening. <laughs> very good. Um, and, and actually, just going back to INSEAD and the, yeah. the NBA, firstly, like, how was that experience? Because obviously Fontainebleau is a you know, lovely place. But say if you were thinking about you know, taking an MBA now, do you think you would still go down that route? Because obviously it's a huge cost and it's a year or two out of your life. I mean, what, what do you think, Sophie? Uh, I had applied um, to uh, uh, Wharton and um, 
come a couple of other places, maybe Stanford, um, the year before. And those are two-year programs. And then I, I did look at Wharton, and and that was after that that I I met the person who'd been to INSEAD because I I don't think I'd known really really known about it, but because INSEAD is actually a ten month program, um I excuse me I do think a two year program is a very long time, and I don't think the last six months of a two year program are worth it. I mean, it, typically that has been mostly geared to helping you know the time that takes for people to get a, a you know the job that they want, but it's a very expensive uh, six months. INSEAD is very intense, 10 months, a huge chunk of my core, really, you know, absolutely core friends on this planet are from INSEAD. And the reason is because it's such an intense year, you know, when you go to college, I mean, I have great friends from, from, from Oxford as well, but when you go to college, you're holding some different subjects and, and you're, you're there because you're there. And it's, well, in England, for, 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 for many people, you're sort of enjoying the next sort of phase and you don't have to take anything seriously. Business school, you you're there for a very specific reason. You've t- typically you've changed country for INSEAD. You've taken out a loan. You're not you've taken out a loan and you're not earning. And so you're very purposeful about what you're doing. So you have lots of conversations with people because this and this is one of the really beneficial things I think about a business school experience if, if you can do it is that you have lots of conversations with like okay, so what do you obviously not quite this this direct but what are you doing that you don't want to be doing anymore? Because often people are using it to change. Is it one of the key ways to change before you? it was much easier to sort of move around? Why Why don't you want to be doing that anymore? What, what's, like, what's like you that I'm in? The, what, in what way am I like you that I might also not want to do that? What do you want to do next and why? So you have a lot of deep conversations at, at a moment in so many of the people's lives because they're all making a big decision about what they want to do next and why they're they're taking this time to to learn some more stuff. And because of course I'd done Chinese, you know, having some having some more, you know, learning all about marketing, doing financial and international financial management, you know, a lot of these and, and negotiate I didn't do the negotiation analysis, which is really core cool in NCAD, but um that's it, it's a very interesting intense year to understand a lot more about what you want to do and about what other what why other people make the decisions they do and you know wh- how do they relate to you so that's one of the reasons you make such great connections because everybody's at this moment some in some ways like the moment that we had moment or the period that we had during the pandemic when we were all sort of raw and vulnerable together kind of going whoa and that and that 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 type of connection is is very impactful when when you're sort of working out what's next, what does what does this all mean, what what will success look like for me, which after paying back your loan, I more question four year college degrees or three year college degrees. Not that they people shouldn't go to college, but I think there is a lot more understanding. One, there's a lot there are a lot more jobs which don't require a college degree. That doesn't mean you shouldn't go to college, but it's a question of what the, how you're going to get those skills because education around the world needs to be updated to be much more relevant to um, to the world that we're living in now. Not that you're necessarily being taught digital marketing skills and that's all you learn, but being taught critical reasoning, problem solving, the type of fundamental basic skills and some technical skills will be helpful so that you can go out and deal with whatever it is that you're going to, you know, leave college and, and, and be meet and have to deal with. So I think 
business school in terms of giving you lots more understanding of business and of you know a, a one year course that is intense can be can be very helpful. Yeah, and, and I think really understanding your Excel and <coughs> Excel and PowerPoint skills. Yeah, that for any, any person who starts a new job, that's the key thing. You know, if you can sort out those models and create good presentations, your boss is going to love you. Well, yes, and unfortunately, I actually meant to really do that at, at business school, but there was a guy in my class who actually happens to be CEO of WPP now. Um, he was in my my group and he'd be like, oh, no, I was bored. So I did the financial model for this. I'm like, no, I was supposed to be learning that. So I did learn very, very painfully afterwards. But yes, learning how to build a financial model, a basic financial model is very helpful because the practice of building a financial model or business model for your your business or you know project or whatever it doesn't you can make it look however you want to look you can make it look as amazing or as bad as you want but there are typically one or two key drivers and that's what you find out and it makes you make you know ensure that you actually thought through all the different elements of the business but the one or two key drivers and when you find those out then you actually have an, a core understanding of what's really going to be impactful to you. And that, I think that's true of life as well in terms of what are the one or two things that really matter to you. Um, and then you can, uh, you know, you can go after those or understand more about yourself and and what's going to make you happy, what, what, what you can feel fulfilled by and feel that you've achieved success. Yeah, I love that point you're making about, I think really trying to understand, say in life and work, really understand what it is that is makes it sets you apart from everybody else what makes you mm. special and really major on those because i think you know if, if you can sort of create that thing where uh you're so indispensable um in one or two areas and mm -hmm. really set yourself apart i think that's the key thing rather than trying to bring up your weaknesses i think you need to be yeah. self-aware enough to understand like what i'm not good at and, and right. make sure that you get support or you ask questions but i think it's where you're really outstanding that's what sets you apart i mean what what do you think sophie yes definitely i wrote an article um which is on the huff post several years ago probably 2014 or something called me myself and i inc and it was exactly that it was basically saying if you think about yourself as a business and what's your usp what's your unique selling proposition and you may not know it now and it's that's okay because it's something that evolves and you can certainly ask people around you in, in work or your friends. And, you know, it, the, one of the core things might be you're an incredible people person. Like, okay, that's actually really, you know, there are lots of jobs and situations that will, that will absolutely, you know, enable you to, to have enormous success. It could be amazing time management. That's fantastic. We're much more in a project world now. So, you know, really elevating that skill. So sort of understanding what your USP is and thinking about yourself as a business and a, a product or a service, particularly now that we have much more sort of portfolio careers or multiple careers over our lifetime, like how are you going to build up those multiple revenue streams so that you aren't necessarily beholden to one employer or one client um, and think about yourself as a little business? Because when you think about yourself like that, you know, marketing, that's your resume. That's you know, whatever you put out there. It's also the photos that you put out there that everybody can see. You know, so lots of things to sort of think about the back end, like how organized are you? How, you know, how, what routines do you have? I'm not a very routine person, so I have to, I do it in a kind of different way. But, you know, just understanding 
again, yes, not trying to really be make sure that your your weaknesses are you you fortify your weaknesses, but fill in, you know, get people to help fill in for those for those weaknesses. But if you sort of understand yourself as a little as a little business, I think it you it's part of a helpful journey to understand um you know what's unique about yourself and how to put yourself forward. Uh, because I think we do have to be much more self-aware and uh, self uh, self-directed in this new era of work. Because you know careers are not linear anymore. Promotion or uh, you know progression can be horizontal, it can be diagonal as well as vertical, and that's much more confusing. And most companies are not set up because it is quite complicated, particularly big companies. You imagine all the people going in different directions. So having much more of a handle on that for yourself, so you can have much more informed conversations with your boss or, you know, what you want to explore outside, your side hustle, you know, those are the types of things I think that really it's much more on the person, not in a bad way, but it is, it, there is, there's much more that each individual need, needs to be taking on board these days. And I love that point you make about the mindset, because I think if you can see yourself as this business or as a startup and actually say, okay, I've got this one client at the moment, i.e. your employer, but actually if things go bad, you need to be able to think, how can I sell my services to to some other employer? How marketable am I? So Mm. I I just love that point. And I think that moves on nicely to to your book, Empathy Works. Yeah, really enjoyed reading it. Um, Can you give a uh, a quick overview. And, and why do you think empathy is such an important thing now nowadays? I think it probably always was. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't go back. Um, I don't do the coulda, woulda, shoulda. Yeah. Uh, it's much more about, you know, where we're going now. So where we are now, the future of work, which is really an environment which is predominantly technology driven. It has been coming for a good number of years, but really accelerated by the pandemic. So this this business and work environment is highly digitalized, and it's not so much it's digitized, which is sort of going from analog to digital. But digitalized means the processes, the processes have changed a lot in terms of how you do something, where things are stored. You're not doing manual handoffs, all of that type of stuff. What it it's much more interconnected. It's much faster, and because there's so much technology, let's just say my company is doing things in a certain way. You're my competing company. You've implemented different technology because you set up slightly differently. Maybe you have three offices. Maybe I have six, or I have one. So we're doing things differently, but we're in the same business. So our customers are going to be responding differently to a company. So they're going to be evolving their behaviors depending on what they kind of, oh, well, I actually want to have, you know, Sophie's company, you know, serve me. And that's going to change maybe your customers' behaviors. All of that means it's much less predictable. And therefore, how I work with my team and we develop and upgrade how we're doing things and changing and new technologies we're bringing on board. And also our customers, of course, now have a voice with all the technology and technology platforms and, and you know, Glassdoor in terms of internally and, and, and as well, you know, that, that customer feedback loop is much, much faster. If you, I, I use an example, particularly in terms of, let's just think about software. Microsoft used to come out with Windows 95, Windows 97. You know, that was two year different. There's a huge, you know, the big software release. Now, we know what we had, let's think about Microsoft Teams or Zoom, how many new features were added without any fanfare, without even any notice that it was just kind of, oh, oh yeah. Or you know, like, oh, Tom just told me that there's this new feature. Have you seen that? 
So we are now used to this this ongoing evolution this, that things are continuously being upgraded. Okay, customers want this, we have to do that. So that's where we are. All of that means that we're needing to work together more, more closely. We can't, I can't do my work, all of my work sort of static, you know, linear going forward, project out 10 years. You and I and other people, whether it's along the supply chain or in my team and across disciplines within a company, marketing needs to be working with business development, needs to be working with technology to come up quickly with new upgrades, new updates. What's that going to mean? How are we going to do it? We've got to test it. All of that means that that we really need, we're working much more in teams, we're working much more on projects. Um, the project economy was sort of announced by Harvest Business Review at the end of last year. It's like, it's arrived. And and what that means is that the dynamic that we have internally and the nature of work is very, very different. So with all this technology, it's actually put a focus on people, on talent. And so empathy, it's a very long answer to your question, I apologize, <laughs> but um, empathy is, is human understanding. It's about empathy means being able to put yourself in somebody else's shoes and understand the world from their perspective. Not not you in their shoes, but put yourself in their shoes sort of as them, yes. see the world through their eyes, and then connect with their experience, feel what they're feeling. But I kind of like, you know, under, really understand what they're going through. And so if we're going to, you and I are going to work together well as a team to really understand you sort of, you know, give me a suggestion or, you know, you're sort of offering a new idea. In order to understand it, I really need to understand what you're really saying. Like, what is your idea? And and really try and connect with what it is that you are, you know, what your contribution truly is, not what I sort of understand it to be. And so that really is so much more about us being able to connect and have an exchange that's meaningful. And, you know, we don't have to be best buddies, but the more I understand you as a person, no matter what your background is, no matter what culture, what country, whatever, that's going to help us and our company and our team be successful. And I love that point you're making about you know these projects, because actually, if you think about a company, they win work and it comes mm-hmm. in. But actually, from their perspective, how can they guarantee work uh, and employment for one person if they don't know how much work is coming in? So in a way, if you view it in that sort of flexible, more flexible way of there's mm. this project, it could last three to six months. And, yeah. and, and, and actually put yourself in, in the shoes of the, the company. Then actually, you're not going to get disappointed if you know, things don't turn out well. And also the company has more flexibility, but, but obviously they have to be humane. You, know, you shouldn't, you know, can people just before Christmas or if they're, yeah. you know, that. So I think, yeah, there's give and take on, on both sides. Um, but I also like this idea of, you know, uh, empathy impacting leaderships and this whole idea of listening. Mm. I think a lot of people, not not just in the workplace, but also in life, we don't listen to each other. Yeah, you know, we have you know, our spiel. We 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 talk to talk at people, but we don't actually listen. I mean, what's your view, um, Sophie? Because I'm sure you've got pl- there's obviously plenty of stuff in the book. Listening is so critical, more than anything, because we actually really have very different ways of. Or, or different meanings behind our words without without realizing it. For example, just the phrase like maybe high, hard work. When I was born, hard work conjures a vision of, or when I came into the, the, the workplace, conjures a vision of somebody working long, late hours, leaving the office at 11 o'clock, and it's horrible, boring work. For somebody from Gen Z, typically hard work will may well be 
40 hours, just working the 40 hour work week, but using all kinds of tools and, you know, apps and working very effectively and very intensely. Um, and, and, you know, doing much more complicated work because now the, the level of sophistication of work that, that entry level jobs are is about three to four, four years above where it used to be. And they actually may be producing the same outcomes or at least the same level of outcomes, even though they're actually working, you know, fewer hours than the hard work. So understanding what hard work means, what, you know, what, what you and I, when we're, when we're talking, do we really understand exactly what the other person is saying as they meant it? And so restating back to someone, listening hard, then restating back. This is what I heard you say to, to, to make sure that you do understand, because just that one, it means that you believe you understand that I really want to understand what you say, that I has, I have been listening. I, I value it. And then, you know, we have this, a much better interact, you know, it's much more of a dialogue than, than you sort of speaking me kind of going, yeah, yeah, yeah. And perhaps even ignoring what you're saying. And then what comes out of that is in a in a world which is much more unpredictable, it's moving at a faster pace, we have, you know, we're really taking on board and debating more ideas from everybody. And that's really critical these days because, you know, the leader is not going to have all the answers. They can't do. We really need to be getting um, contributions and listening to those contributions from, you know, the entry level people, you know, the, the youngest people, the Gen Zs in the in the organization, because they are typically the ones who have the most intuitive understanding and relationship with technology. And that's what's often going to be critical um, for the success, the ongoing success and sustainability of a business these days. And I love that point you make about communication, because especially miscommunication, it's so easy. And mm. people, so in, in a way, if you're having a conversation with your boss or you know, a peer, actually repeat back to them. So this is what yes. I think um, yeah. your meaning uh, and really then set some milestones because it's so yep. easy to say, yeah, yeah, sure. I, I know what you mean. Spend two days doing something which is completely irrelevant. And then, right. Yeah, and then you've wasted time. Yeah. Then the boss is annoyed. Yeah. Why didn't you ask me? <laughs> and you've gone off to Google something which wasn't yeah. the right thing. Cause you kind of a little bit embarrassed. Like, did yeah. I understand what, what they meant yeah. or not rather than just taking a little bit more time. So yes, this goes to what you meant. You mentioned um, for me at the, the beginning, which is the, the, the Googling rather than asking questions. Um, and, and, you know, and there is definitely anxiety from, from Gen Z's about, well, I, you know, I, I'm not, I'm worried about my job. And so I don't want to let my peer stupid. But the reality is, is that asking the question, making, you know, do I, did I understand exactly what you meant? Because when we're moving at this pace, we're not actually necessarily clear. Like, you know, the most, the, you know, the most amazing, intelligent boss doesn't necessarily say things in, in, you know, as, as clearly as they might, because we're just, you know, part of the time we're just sort of making it up. So we're like, yeah, this, yeah, this is, this is what we should do. And it's, <laughs> and it's not that they, they don't know. It's just kind of like we're working this out. But if when we have more of a clarifying interaction, then we can, you know, People can offer sort of more ideas and more inputs and come out with a better, more thoughtful, more informed um, solution that we can then move forward on. Yeah, and and also just getting say feedback from your customers or or the people yes, who yes. listen to your 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 content because I I love you know, when I hear back from my listeners and I'm, I'm sure you do as well 
And, and once I got this feedback saying, I really like this, but I don't like this. And I, okay. I, cause I actually met, met up with a, a couple of people face to face and, and yeah, I much prefer honest feedback like that. Oh yeah. Saying, oh, Shay, look, yeah, this didn't work, but this did work. <laughs> and I said, I, I, I just love that because it, I know that there was no malice or it was all about trying to make the product better yes, and give yes. their input. And it, it's almost like co-creating something because I'm sure you're working with people maybe on the marketing side or whatever. And, you know, I always tell people, look, if you don't understand something, let let me know, feed, feed back to me. Because right. as you're saying, I may not be clear or you may have better ideas or you know, whatever it is. I mean, what, what do you think, Sophie? Well, absolutely. I'm uh, just about to be I'm developing some scripts and going to be doing uh, launching a little bit into TikTok. Yeah, cool. Um, both for some stuff which is very much career based, um, under the, the 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 this this phrase that I trademarked almost ten years ago now, which is called ambition for life, which is not, which basically uh, ambition for all your life activities, both um, professional and personal. So, but you know, I, I the audience that, that that I'm really targeting is sort of twenty two to 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 forty, I guess. Obviously, with with with, with TikTok, it's it's younger. It's sort of you know twenty two to thirty. But I'm not 20, you know, in that that range. So I need to get, so I found um, a guy who is, I think, 21. And so he's going to be helping doing with the post-production. But I really want to hear what he has to say about, you know, how I've how I've phrased. And he did um, help me with some of the scripts. He was like, you know, some of the words, you know, you can make them a little bit, you know, shorter or <laughs> or just, you know, more direct or more chatty. I tend not to to be super colloquial in some of my of my my uh, you know in how I speak. So uh, it's that will be very helpful for me to learn because the thing that I have has been so fascinating for me in this this my second career is that no matter what I see in terms of the trends and where it's going, I mean a lot of that is not it's not brain surgery at all. It's like you look at the trends, you look at the data, and you can kind of like see where what the possibilities are. They're not. But how I convey that to people so that they hear it and then help them with with thing with sort of ideas and suggestions about what they can do, you know, the sort of takeaways that they can act upon. If I say it in certain ways, it's just going to land. It's going to be ignored, or yeah. it's just going to going to you know land on in and and be dead on the ground. So really trying to to work out how I can say things, really understand and empathize with my audiences um, means that I have to do a lot more listening and a lot more, you know, empathizing with, you know, customers, potential customers, you know, trying to understand a TikTok audience. Because if if I'm going to, if I want to use what I, the knowledge that I have and the understanding that I have to help people, I, could, I have to say it in a way that, that it's in the language that they understand. Yeah. And I just love the point that you're making there, Sophie, because I think it's not about copying and pasting something. You can't say just take a podcast and then you know, create a TikTok video. What, right. what you need to do is really think, okay, how is this going to impact? Yeah. You know, what, what is the real problem of my audience? How right. can I add value to them? And maybe also in the workplace as well, you really need to think, okay, I've got this skill set. How do I make sure that uh, my say colleagues know exactly what I'm doing? My boss knows exactly what I'm doing because mm. you know, I'm sure you've experienced this that it's not the best people who succeed at in the in the workplace. Mm. It's the ones you know sometimes it's the ones who can almost manage their profile and be seen to be the star or whatever. It, sorry, yeah, uh, no, I was just going to say that it's really challenging right now because for everybody at every layer, very much at the top. 
coming out of the pandemic, everybody was like, okay, let's get back on track, you know, let's get going. But the world has really changed. Like there is no back to go back to, to go back to kind of like how we were doing things. Cause that's, you know, then we can really supercharge it and, 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 and develop like there needs to be a whole bunch of transformation that needs to happen in order to be able to move forward properly. Like that's a huge, that's very challenging, particularly if I, as a, as an older leader, have been doing things the same way for 20, you know, even 30 years to make that change is very difficult as, as, you know, let's just say for Gen Z very challenging for them because the there's it's a very new type of a working environment which is the only working environment i know because that's what i've come into but my bosses or maybe the leaders of the company who are much older they don't really understand it they don't see it as i see it because this is all i know and they know something different so we have this a lot of disconnects here and that's making it very messy with a lot of tension so you know this is this is a uh, pretty messy, <laughs> um, and within that, so the more the, I have to develop my career, and I have to try and understand what my skills are. We're really this is all about skills. If I sort of say this is a skills economy, that sounds like you know the sharing economy and this that, and the other that's going to change. It is really about skills, and the reason it's about focusing on skills is that. Um, because you know my, my LinkedIn courses are really sort of you know more and more focusing on skills, is that how a job is accomplished, how I accomplish my task changes a lot from year to year. You know how you did a, a PR job from five years ago to to now, or how you you know developed a product or or launched a, a distributed a service in let's say in media has changed enormously over the past five to ten years, but the job title may still be the same. So. We, what are the skills that you're using in order to get your task done? And what are the skills that you're good at? And the more you can be doing some of those and also what skills you need to stay competitive, to be developing your career in the ways and um, sort of like the different pathways that you might, you know, progress forward. So really understanding what your skills are. And that's really not evident. I mean, often when I'm talking, I'll say, okay, who here knows their top three or five skills? And maybe 5% put their hands up. They're like, oh, I think I know. Uh, Most people don't. So that is really something that I advise everybody to work out what your skills are. And it can be things like, you know, hard skills and what we call soft skills or people now sort of calling power skills. And I like that. Um, So interpersonal skills are very, very important as well as hard like coding skills or you know you know whether whether it is marketing or business development or strategy something like that but but having that the, the full suite of uh, or really understanding your full suite of skills will help you will help everybody enormously in terms of how they progress and and what they know the how, what the what the next steps need to be to get them more and more to where they want to go and one one thing that struck me when when you were talking about yeah you know, things being messy and the tension is that you know just yeah you know, I suppose you've got management and you've got the employees but actually each side should have empathy for the other oh yes clearly you know um, being yes. in management is not easy um, no you know, no it's not and 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 you're thinking how can I keep my team happy how can I make sure they're compensated how can I develop them and then some and then say you've been developing somebody and then they suddenly leave um and look and you, you can't blame that person for leaving because if there's a better opportunity and more money that's just the way of the world but you can see that they're sort of tensions both ways and then 
obviously at the employee level, there's tension because they're thinking, I'm not getting looked after, I'm not getting paid. Um, yeah, my boss doesn't understand me. So I think really try to understand yeah, each per each side should really have a bit more empathy for each other in a way. I mean, well, what do you yes. think? Yes, well, the career progression uh, challenge is extraordinary. The new data that I've learned over the last month goes to show that for most employees, um, it's only 20% of employees believe that the next step in their career is supported by their company or boss. And that doesn't, so it's not that, it's not that they, that what it meant by that is not that they're that they don't want them to succeed it's that it hasn't been really taken yeah. into account and and part of that is the way i see it is that we because we don't have these linear career paths anymore which you sort of sat you know you got on i mean i always use marketing because it's kind of like a, <laughs> sort of an easy one in terms of progression you get on you're a sort of marketing associate and then you, and you go and you get a bit more skills like because these linear progressions aren't there we don't have as many layers of hierarchy because you can be moving sideways yeah. it is much more complicated to map and plan and schedule and upskill and move people around when they're going in different ways as a result there are a lot of people who are uh, in sort of limbo and talent mobility within organizations is not easy at all because it not, it's not just about understanding what my team members, each one of my team members wants and mapping, understanding what the skills they need. And John needs this and Margie, you know, needs, you know, needs or wants to do that and how we're going to plan that and the spots that they want to go into so that they're not overlapping, but also a lot of the time, it means that they're going to need to go, if they're really, particularly if they're really a rising star or just like the progression, they need to go into another department or, or, or division or, or you know, unit of the company. And I both need to be willing to do that. I'm going to lose my rising star, which I don't want to do. And I need to have relationships to help them move. Now, all of this stuff, so it's it's really pretty complicated. And as a result, for the most part, it's easier, like this is what the data has been showing, it's easier to leave, it's actually easier to leave the company to get that next step up in your career than stay in the company. Now, that's a really bad situation for companies to be in. So what I would say to, to people in their career, if they're in, you know, a, a corporation, is try and help that conversation. It's, you know, before you leave, look at and try and and have the conversations and maybe to be developing relationships across the company to see and explore and understand what the other opportunities are and try and make that happen. I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but those are opportunities. It is, we're in this period of flux and it isn't easy to, to really get the whole company into a very, very different way of looking at talent and being able to have them be mobile. There are new startups that are sort of facilitating that. But more than anything, you know, a company needs to understand its skills inventory. They need to understand all the skills they have within their their company, which they, you know, if you have every, all you have is everybody's old resume from when they joined the company, you have no idea what people are really capable of in your company. So this is a very interesting time. So if somebody wants to leave, and also the other point I'll make, um, which is a little bit radical maybe, is that it may well be that somebody's next progression should be out of your company because your company at this moment doesn't have something which is really the best next step for them. So help them because if you help them, then they go and they're like, oh, Sophie was awesome. That company is amazing. And they're my best ambassador. They're going to help me get new recruits. They're going to really be talking, talking up my company 
and and you're going to get really good recruits. And in a tight labor market, or, or depending on you know obviously what industry you're in, but it is quite a tight labor market for particularly for for, for top talent. You're going to want to help people, whether it's within your company or actually moving on out of your company too. No, I, I just love that point, Sophie. And, and also, I think this whole idea of the the mindset as, as an employee, you need to just take ownership of your career and really say, okay, this is what I'm trying to achieve. Can I try, achieve it at that company? Um, have an adult conversation with your mm-hmm. boss or supervisor or whoever, but, but also this idea of uncertainty, because I think if you can have this mindset of, okay, life is uncertain, life is messy, uh, and it's not really going to change, but if I can surf surf that and take advantage of that yeah. that's actually because sometimes i think you don't really know what's going on but that also means you can try things so say mm-hmm. in the pandemic you could try stuff which you just couldn't do beforehand so in a mm-hmm. way there is opportunity in uncertainty um i mean what, what, yeah. what, what do you think sophie well yes that yes there is and you know just circling back to empathy the more that you can if you're empathizing with the people that you're working with, let's just say your team members. And I'm really trying to understand like what's going to motivate you, what's going to enable you to, to engage you. It is really connecting you. It is em- empathizing. It's understanding what's next for you in your career and not being kind of like, I want this, the best money. Because ultimately if we take, if you take the long game, the, 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 the you know, the really take the long view that, that really connecting and supporting and developing your talents is going to be actually pay off in 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 the long run. So that if you're helping somebody leave your organization um, and be experimenting with new things, as you're saying, whether it could be you know in another department, and you know kind of go well, if I lose him now to another department, and and I know he's really great, I don't want to lose him, but he is really great. But I also know that if I do that, then somebody who's really great in that department. They're going to whoever's like leading that department. It's Janie. She's going to sort of say, "Well, hang on a second. I got that really amazing person. Um, they're going to 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 pay the favor back, because that's we need to be play, to to be you know that, that positive uh, spiral is re- reinforcing so that we're actually all making progress in the same in the same way that's benefiting the company and and sort of looking towards that view. Because if we're helping each person develop. And connecting them and helping them work in the best way possible, which is working from home sometimes, you know, collaborating, you know, either virtually or, you know, or in a third place or in the office, whatever it might be. Enabling people to do their best work is really sort of empathizing with them, not having too many meetings. I've got a whole pet peeve about meetings, but that's another thing. Um, but really sort of understanding the period that we're in, it's messy. We when we recognize that and don't get freaked out about it and realize that everybody's in the same boat including our bosses and you know people on the front line everybody is needing to to sort of take a step back take a bit of a gulp sometimes and say you know we're all going to get through this but the more that we can recognize it and embrace what it is because if we fight it it's just going to make our lives harder uh and 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 move forward and there is a lot of opportunity in this as you say, the word, your, your analogy is sort of surfing it. Yes. When you're surfing that sort of kinetic wave, there are lots of beneficial things about it. Now, obviously for, for some people who, you know, want much more stability and, and, and totally understand it's not where we are now. And there are jobs which are, are 
don't change as much and and you know can sort of seek out some of those jobs and really be sort of thoughtful about what the, what those are but we are dealing with a lot of change and it is an extraordinary time now as we move forward to be able to make a lot more specific choices that suit us i mean in the past it used to be if i went into marketing or finance and obviously you know you said you went into finance if you know it used to be that, that was it you were stuck you couldn't do like you couldn't make another decision very different now and that's amazing it really is amazing and we we you know there's a lot of specialization that is required and and uh elevated but also having that sort of tea having the the tea part of it where people have a a a, a, a wide understanding of different elements of the business and so you have more opportunity to take those transferable skills or transfer your skills into other areas other companies other industries and really explore what you love um and 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 sort of just different areas of business so that you have you're much more stable and have a, a, a much more ability to create stable stable financial situation for yourself in a, a, a much less for now anyway much less um settled or predictable uh market and business climate but, but but I think that point you make about say adaptability, you know, okay, uh, unfortunately the world isn't going to go back to the the way it was where you had these long careers. But I think even for the people who feel that they like the stability, you can still change your mindset because I was very much yeah. of a I, I wanted stability. I'd rather sort of be in a situation where I knew rather than move. But then actually, if you force yourself to you know, reach out to people, expand your sort of circle of competence, then I think great things can happen. But but yeah. also I think in, in in the world it's also about trying to reach out to people in a nice way. And I and I just wanted to like end on with this quite funny story, Sophie, because. I, I I had seen you on LinkedIn. I was thinking, oh my God, Sophie Wade, she'd be an amazing guest on, on my show. And then I knew that you and Gina knew each other as well. So, but I didn't reach out through Gina. And then um, I, I had, hadn't been checking my emails. And then I found that I had an email from, you know, one of your podcasts, you know, right. people. Yeah. And it was so funny how I was thinking about you. Oh yeah, Gina's and, fabulous. And, and you just never know what, how things come about. Um so right. yeah, I love that. But sort of we're, we're coming up to the end of our time. And and yeah. I just wanted to make sure that, you know, if people wanted to reach out to you, Sophie, how, how can they do that? Because obviously I know you've got your amazing podcast, you're on LinkedIn, you've got your LinkedIn courses, obviously everything will be in the show notes, but how, how can they get, get in touch with you, Sophie? Um, easily. So I, the two websites, one is sophiewade.com. Um, that has a lot to do with sort of speaking in the, and, and the books, because the two books, and also on flexelnetwork.com, which is um, my company, which is sort of future work consultancy and helping companies transition. But but sophieway.com. But but LinkedIn, I, I do, do, I'm very present on LinkedIn and sharing stuff. And also still on Twitter, um, I do share a lot of following on Twitter because I do share a lot of articles uh, to really, which are, are supposed to be a form, informative, whether it's about hybrid working, so I do a lot of stuff on, on remote working. Um, to to empathy, to leadership, uh, to you know, trying to navigate this period, this sort of messy period. Um, I think it's very helpful to understand more because each company, each person is going to be changing um, and developing and evolving and growing in different ways because each person's different um, and is in different countries and cultures and and all of those things are are impactful. So. 
you know, what I am I, the whole point about of, of my presence on, on Twitter is really to be sharing some of those um, articles. I also have a blog that you can sign up for. Um, um, I have a newsletter on LinkedIn and, and a blog on sophieway.com. So yeah, so cool. lots of different ways. Okay, so there, there are multiple channels and, and TikTok as well. You'll be on there soon, soon. soon. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> will you not, be fronting- not quite yet we, we gotta we gotta like do some experimentation there yet <laughs> so w- will you be fronting that or will you be getting a gen z to front it no no i'm gonna be i'm what i what i'm tr- what i want to com- communicate in that is sort of be somebody from all generations who is is giving some of the perspective of you know what can be done what you know, some things to think about uh, but really helping them navigate, including kind of going, have some empathy for, you know, the people who are more trenched in the ways of thinking, like, you know, give, it's hard. It's hard for all of us. Yeah. And I think you know, it's with all relationships, just think about the other person and, you know, yes. uh, you, you'll realize that they're, they're not really that bad. I mean, most people, even if you have problems with your boss, there are that, that he or she does have some redeeming qualities um and look at those you know hopefully yes or or you know maybe they had a terrible terrible boss yeah. or they grew up with a you know a very command and control type boss and that's all they know and so it's very hard for them to to change and evolve and to and to be different and we've had we've had so little empathy in the workplace for for so long that to change that is harder because most people are empathetic in their personal lives it just hasn't been the way that we've been operating in business and it's time we did. Brilliant. And and one final thing, Sophie, is, is there anybody you'd like to give a, a quick shout out to who's helped you in your career? Um, oh my goodness. So, so many people. I, um, it's hard to, to pinpoint one person. I mean, Gina is one person who just recently, I just love what she's doing about inclusive leadership. Um, she's been very sweet and, and very helpful and I've been trying to help her. So, you know, I'm really looking at, oh, Dom Price, who is amazing. He is a work futurist at Atlassian, which is a big software cool. company. He's actually Mancunian, but living in Australia oh, wow. um, and working for Atlassian. He's fantastic. Um, God, you put me on the spot. I can't. There's, I, there, there's, there's what, so, what, there's so many. What, yeah, what, one or two is enough, Sophie. That, that, that's okay. But, but Sophie, thank you so much for you know, your time today. It's been you know really a, a, an amazing chat. We could have talked for much longer. We could have like, I know, part two and three. Um, you know, we still didn't get to talk about Princess Bride. <laughs> And in the in the on tire. <laughs> we 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 didn't, but uh, I, that would be so fun to to have been in the real life version of that film, right? Oh, yeah, totally, yeah. And the guy who was like, you know, with the poison and the and the cups and like, oh yeah. <laughs> So yeah, fun. For, for yeah, who doesn't love you know Robin Wright as Princess Butterfly? Oh, and, yes. and Carrie Elwes as the you know the you know, uh, Wesley or the Dread Pirate Roberts. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. I mean, they're they all the sort of such sort of cliches of themselves, but they were perfect. Really fun. Fantastic. Maybe we can have a Princess Bride podcast on the side. <laughs> I think we'd have a big following. Exactly. Which is your favorite moment? Which is your your subline uh, that you really love? And the interesting thing is, it's um, uh, what's his name? Thingy Potamkin. Oh, Mandy Potamkin. Mandy Potamkin. I then went to this, I happened to go to this event, which was celebrating him. And I was like, and I hadn't realized that he was, he was the guy. And yes. I was like, oh my goodness. And then he turns up in um, Homeland, right? 
Like that was, I was like, not expecting that. I was like, I did not realize that that was Mandy Patamkin. Fabulous. I mean, to go from, 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 from Princess Bride to, to, to Homeland, what a career. Yeah. What, what a small world. But anyway, Sophie, thank, thanks once again for your time. Really appreciate it. And uh, get, uh, enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you so much for having me. Really, really appreciate it. Great conversation. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening and staying to the end. That was such a fun interview. If you'd like to listen to more episodes, please subscribe to the podcast, which is available on your favorite providers. And subscription is free. If you wish to learn more about any of the resources mentioned in this episode, please take a look at the show notes, which are available online. Thanks once again for listening. Wishing you success with your career. I hope you will join me again in the future.